It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. It's a mailbag Wednesday where we preview the Eagles and talk about how Justin Jefferson got slowed down in the second half against the Bucks. That's all next with Reggie Wilson on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. What's up, everybody? It's a Wednesday. It's the Minnesota football party. It's a mailbag edition. Glad you're with us here on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Again, quick announcement on the, some programming changes here. Our Monday and Thursday Minnesota football parties with Luke Braun, Arif Hassan. Those will now be published on Locked On Vikings audio feed. The video will remain here at Locked On Sports Minnesota. Reggie Wilson and I delivering a special mailbag episode today. But keep a watch on our Wednesday programming because on Wednesdays we have a new concept launching October 1st. Reggie's privy to it. He knows what I'm talking about. We're going to keep that under wraps for now until we get things finalized. But keep an eye on that here on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Excited to talk football with you today, Reggie. Uh, We're going to talk Justin Jefferson, maybe a little contract, and maybe a little bit of his performance where he was very Jekyll Hyde, 138 yards in the first half, but did get slowed down in the second half. We'll look ahead to the Eagles, of course, tomorrow. We're already on the eve of game day. But I think, Reg, we should get your initial reaction on the Aaron Rodgers news right out of the gate. Uh, First, let me remind folks that you can subscribe to us on YouTube for free. Find us free and available wherever you get your podcasts. Reggie, Aaron Rodgers is out for the year. I know that he's in a different conference now, but we as Vikings uh, coverers, followers, fans, we're still very connected to him. So your thoughts on the Rodgers injury four games into his season, four plays into his season, I should say. Man, brutal. Absolutely brutal, man. It's just interesting because it it seems so mundane. Like it seems just like a normal football play. You know, it was like, okay, he's getting sacked. And what was interesting was, man, the Bills were getting after him from the very start. And the one pass he did throw was, uh, you know, something out of bounds, you know, just to get rid of it because he was under such duress. And most people talked about it like, hey, this Vikings, or not Vikings, this Jets offensive line, probably going to be their Achilles heel. And, you know, you saw yesterday they were working out DJ Fluker, who hasn't played in the league in a while. And it's just like, well, uh, maybe... Maybe you should have invested a little bit more. You don't invest in that that type of a quarterback at his age. He's turning 40 in December and not have an offensive line. Like they they seem to go all in on skill positions and all these other ancillary pieces. But that offensive line kind of reared an ugly head right away. And I'm not putting it all the way on them because, you know, it's just – that's kind of like the easy thing to do, but it's just tough, man. This this whole thing has started a, a debate over grass versus turf, and I just, I don't know, man. It was talked about with Josina Anderson about how he had the calf injury earlier this offseason, and that was just kind of like the precursor to the Achilles, and 
he seemed to know right away that something was not right. You know, he got up, tried to tried to walk it off, and then he's like, "Oh no, this is this is not good. Let me let me get back mm-hmm. on the ground. This is not yeah. this is not good." And how tough, man! I, I just remember that night, Mike Greenberg. You know, Jets just faithful to the to the core. Yeah, super fan. He, He's having a party. You know, he invited some guys over. He's excited. And quickly, that that party turned into pain for him because then you got Zach Wilson getting in there, and he just seems like he didn't have a clue. I don't I don't know what, what it is with him. but I, Yeah, I still don't think he does have a clue, even though yeah, they won the game. They, yeah. they turned him over four times, and... Garrett Wilson yeah. made a great catch, but then they, you know, they special teams touchdown in overtime. It was an unbelievable win. He has all those weapons. Yeah. But couldn't really do anything with them. And I think that's where you see the drop off between him and Aaron Rodgers and the reason why they went and got Aaron Rodgers in the first place. You got Robert Sala. He was just looking dead in the eyes, like on the sidelines after that happened, because it's just like, what? Like, the the big investment you made, Rogers even, you know, left some money on the table just to make sure he could make this happen. And it's hard to think about. I don't believe that with Rogers being the competitor that he is, I don't believe that he is going to just let this be the last thing we hear of him in the league. Like I think he's gonna do everything he can to try to come back and and play another year at least. But it's tough, man. Mm-hmm. He turned 40 in December. This was just a brutal, brutal injury. You're talking about Super Bowl expectations. You're talking about, you know, he had that interview with John McEnroe uh, on the pregame show. I don't even know if you saw that, but he was just like, you know, because John McEnroe was like, okay, if you don't go where people think, he's like, hey, don't even put that out there. Why is this positive energy over here? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I do believe that we're going to, get to the Super Bowl. I I do believe that we're going to, you know, be able to raise a championship here. That's my expectation. And it's like, well, about that. About that. It's just they they built this team ready made for a quarterback like him to step in and and really help them get to where they want to go. All the weapons. They brought in Dalvin Cook at the last minute. They they got McCole Hardman. They Sign Randall Cobb, Alan Lazard to go with Garrett Wilson, Tyler Conklin, CJ Uzama, like all these weapons. The defense is incredible. We saw a little bit of that on display on Monday night. And now you lose your quarterback. That's just brutal, man. But it's also such a Jets thing to happen. Totally, totally is. Uh, Speaking of other guys that Vikings fans are connected to, Dalvin Cook didn't do much in that game on the ground. 13 for 33. Uh, Tyler Conklin was quiet too, the former Vikings. But, you know, every 15 years, Reggie, a team comes along and wins a Super Bowl with their defense and like their defense alone. 85 Bears, 2000 Ravens, 2015 Broncos. Maybe the 15 year increment comes early this year. Maybe the Jets can be that team. Mm. But after seeing Zach Wilson, I don't know. I don't think so. Um, I don't know if it's going to happen. And the Jets have a decision to make now. Do they take a flyer on someone like Jacoby Brissett? Do they try to lure Matt Ryan out of the broadcast booth and back onto the field? Seems like a pie-in-the-sky scenario. I think the Jets are in trouble. 
Um, especially in if there was the NFC, I might even think differently. But it's the AFC. It's so stacked. There's so many good teams. The Dolphins look legit again with a healthy Tua. I mean, it's going to be really hard for them to to stack up with Zach Wilson. So that's our Rogers take. Um, take take it uh, take it as you will. Let's talk some Vikings now here on Locked On Sports Minnesota. Uh, Vikings Bucks is three days in the rearview mirror, and Eagles is tomorrow. I mean, that snuck up on you, and it still feels like the Vikings are licking their wounds a little bit, still taking inventory of what went wrong uh, against Tampa Bay. Uh, we've got Cisco on Twitter, at v 18 saying, he says, honestly, it's the same old song and dance. Mm. Um, I You could go there. You could go there and say, hey, we were charmed last season. Everything went our way, and now we're back to the same old, same old. And same old, same old, Reggie, is you're not going to win all those close games. Yeah, you, you probably did get a little conditioned in an unrealistic scenario last year where you just won all of them. And now you're back to maybe more of a 50-50 proposition in these close games. Uh, it was very disappointing, but I am not ready to bury anything after week one. Remember last year, Reg, how down how up the Vikings were after week one and then how mm-hmm. down they were after week two. It is such a roller coaster in the early season. You're up, you're down, you're one and one, you're one and two, you're two and two. And it seems like your viewpoint fluctuates week to week. Yeah. And you know, they didn't help themselves though. You know, like with Philly, we saw how bad it went last year. People are up on Philly this year, you know, known to Kobe Dean that helps, you know, uh, Fletcher Cox may play. That doesn't help. (laughs) Um, James Bradbury, he's questionable. Uh, He may not play with the the concussion. That helps. But you you look at the Eagles, and then you come back, and there's the Chargers, and then you got Carolina. Like, there's – this was a a very tough start. You you looked for them to be able to get the Bucs at home. Because, you know, the next two were going to be like, eh, I don't know, you know, and, you know, what you don't want to see is them looking at a, a one and four start here at the, the start of their season, because that that is going to be a little bit tough to overcome. I remember back in the 2021 season, that was my first season covering the Vikings. What a bizarre, bizarre season, because they had the talent, like the talent was there, but they just did not play like some of those games that that they lost you know it was it was the opposite of last year you know you think about what happened in Arizona week two you think about you know some of the some of those ugly games man like the last time Baker Mayfield came to the bank when they played Cleveland yeah and you're like how did they lose that game and they're just middling that year I know because it happened only two years ago, you're like, oh, here we go. Same old, same old. But you kind of have to give this team the benefit of the doubt. They're a little bit different than what we saw last year, obviously, because last year they would have pulled that game out. But I think there's just a little bit of shock going around, even just within that locker room and with with everyone around town, because they're like, how did they lose to the Bucs? You look at Baker Mayfield's numbers, they were pretty pedestrian. You know, three, yeah. three turnovers, you weren't expecting that. You know, some mistakes, the, the Jay Ward uh, offsides on the field goal. 
extended the drive and and allowed for that touchdown to happen. And you're like, okay, what's happening? What's happening here? You know, like no Baker Mayfield mistakes that you are, are grown accustomed to. Chase McLaughlin, you know, he's a good kicker. 57-yard field goal is good. You're like, okay. No doubter. You're like, okay, what what's going on here? Like, th- this is not the, the Vikings from last year, obviously. Obviously. But I, I just – I think you just have to hold the horses a little bit. That being said, like, they go into Philly tomorrow and somehow find a way to get the win. Like, that changes the whole narrative early on uh, around the season. You talk about, like – you know, overreaction Monday, overreaction Tuesday. We're kind of in that right now. Some of the fans are feeling that. They're they're feeling those overreactions mm-hmm. right now. But if they go in hostile territory in Philly to avenge last year's massacre, like things turn around really quickly. But they need they need to get some wins under their belt because fans it doesn't take much for fans to be like, oh, here we go. And I kind of experienced that when I was in Cincinnati with the Bengals is as much success as the Bengals would have. People were just like, "Uh, I don't trust it because it's the Bengals. (laughs) And I came to Minnesota and I'm like, Oh, you guys are like that too. Okay. Yeah. Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. Different city. I I will caution people like 2020 and 2021 people were talking tanking. They were talking draft when they started. Uh, They were 0 and 3 in 2020. They were one and five. I think at one point, they got back to 500. They clawed back to 500 and were right in the mix in December that season, 2021. They lost to Baker Mayfield. They were one and three. They clawed back. They were above 500, though they were at 500 at one point, seven and seven. They were right there. Like it, I know the stats when you start 0 and 2, but also you have to wait it for who you're playing. So if you lose to Philadelphia, that's expected. Now, at some point, I think you do need to beat a team you're not supposed to beat to kind of make up for losing to Tampa. The unacceptable part to me is that your offense couldn't produce more than 17 points. That is the recipe, Reggie. There's there's no debating that this offense needs to be a top five, top eight unit in the NFL for this team to do well. And that means under all circumstances, you have to score in the mid-20s every game. You have to. You have the weapons to do it. You absolutely have to. Uh, and they could only conjure up 17. Now, before I, we are going to talk about Justin Jefferson in this game, the greatness in the first half, and then I wouldn't call it a d- disappearing act in the second half, but uh, certainly repressed there with only 12 yards. But first, I'm going to tell folks about FanDuel, FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook partner of Locked On, and uh, America's number one sportsbook. If you missed the promotions in week one, that's okay. There's still time. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 in bonus bets straight to their account, guaranteed win or lose. That is phenomenal. And that's not all. All customers can bet 5 get $100 off the new NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. The fans were raving about the new concept, the new four box on YouTube TV after Sunday's games. You can get that. Watch all the games in every market on YouTube TV's. NFL Sunday ticket and get $100 off via FanDuel. So now's the best time to join in the fun at FanDuel. Uh, Use those bonus bets on the player props, the futures, the spreads, whatever you want on FanDuel Sportsbook, that easy-to-use app, or go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel.com slash locked on the website. 
Kick off the NFL season in style with these deals you don't want to miss. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Uh, Reg, Justin Jefferson was on pace for 276 yards at halftime of that game. <laughs> Ended with a tidy 150. Now, we did get a question uh, from Eric the Red. How did Justin Jefferson get held to 12 yards in the second half? Well, Reg, I'll, I'll take a crack at it. Three drives in the second half, right? Mm-hmm. So drive number one, Jefferson has one catch, and you go and score a touchdown. So no complaint. You can't have any complaints about that. He was part of the drive. They scored a touchdown. So you're not, you can't even analyze that as, as a negative. Then he had six plays after that. That was it. You had six plays. And Justin Jefferson had one catch out of those six. Okay. That, I, I mean, that, that's about all there is to say. that The Bucks in the most critical portion of the game, clearly devoted some resources to Justin Jefferson to make sure he wasn't going to be available and forced the Vikings to check it down to TJ Hawkinson and throw to KJ Osborne and uh, Jordan Addison on key third downs. So I, I guess I would have to take another look at the All-22, but my guess is is that the Vikings and Kirk Cousins did what he had to do on those plays based on what was presented to him, and Justin Jefferson was was covered up on those critical downs. Now, you might say, well, that, I, don't tell me your problems. Just get him open. Get him open. He's Justin Jefferson. That's fair. But I'm not, I'm not overly concerned about 12 yards in the second half when you only had three drives one of which resulted in a touchdown. The other two were three and outs. Yeah, I think the the tough part about it is you kind of look at Justin Jefferson's career, even going back to the Zimmer days, and this has kind of been the story with him, right? Like A little bit. I don't know what happens at halftime, um, but there have been so many games where we're like, oh, man, this dude is on pace for like 300 yards today and yeah, and five touchdowns. Like, this is incredible. And then, you know, you come out in the second half and all of a sudden he's just like, where did JJ go? Like, what what happened? I don't know if the, the offense is just not adjusting well or, you know, with – with how the the defense makes adjustments, they're like, okay, like, because they're not as aggressive. I feel like the Vikings are not as aggressive in the second half. You know, I was talking to Gabe at halftime, and he was just yep. like, what is going on? What is this? And last year, they were known to not be a very good third quarter team. That was like their worst quarter. And then in the fourth, they would turn it on and then win the game. That was last year's formula. They do not have the how can I say this they can't do that they they can't do that this year like that just can't happen because what we're seeing and what we've already seen was this year's team is not last year's team and I don't know it's like the same because they they got five drives in and they were just like you know what we need to get aggressive let's let's get the ball to JJ let's you know, I, I saw some formations from Kevin O'Connell where he split out wide C.J. Ham and Alexander Madison, and then you hit Jefferson in the scene, and he goes for a big gainer. And you're like, oh, that's really creative, from Kevin. And then in the second half, it's just like, I don't know where we go. Like, 
I, we didn't see it. We we didn't see that creativity. We didn't see the the things that that worked in the first half. Them trying in the second half. I don't know what there is to it. You know, we asked Justin Jefferson yesterday. He was just like, yeah, like you know, I, I trust Kevin and and Kirk to get me the ball, and you know, situations just didn't present to get me the ball, and that's just what it was. And you know, he was like, I wouldn't say I wasn't open. You know, we just we we just uh couldn't give me the ball. And why is that when you have a, a superstar all-world receiver, like you should be feeding him? Honestly, with the weapons that the Vikings have, especially after adding Jordan Addison to the mix, there is no reason why so many of these drives should stall. You know, the, the protection is one thing, and Kirk is hurried quite a bit to get the ball out. Maybe they can't develop some of the things that they want to on offense because He's under duress. But when you have a receiver like Justin Jefferson, you should be able to get it done. Two catches for 12 yards is just not enough. And especially when he's rolling like that in the first half, I think early and often feed him and get him going mm -hmm. so that you could kind of roll into some momentum in the second half. I, the second half is a conundrum for this Vikings team because for some reason they come out in the third flat and they just can't get anything going. Can't play complimentary football. The the run game didn't really get going in the second half and it it just seemed to snowball from there. And Justin Jefferson is is one of those like casualties of the offense just stalling in the second half. It's stunning how many first halves Justin Jefferson has had like that as if the opponent thought they were going to be fine. If they just singled him, if they yeah. did lose cover, like it, did you not know who you were going to play? Um, and teams talk all the time about how it, the, the halftime adjustments are overrated. Like we're making adjustments all the time, but it does seem to be kind of magical how teams can go in the locker room and come out with a different plan against Justin and they can do things uh, to shut him down. And sometimes it's vice versa. Like sometimes the first half is a little slower and the Vikings open things up and they get him the ball more after the halftime. So there is something I think that's still kind of dynamic about that halftime shift in, in what teams can do coming out of the locker room. Uh, Justin Jefferson last year against Philadelphia, Reggie, maybe your memory is very good. I don't, I mean, it wasn't a good game for anybody. Six I don't catches believe for 48 yards. Okay. Very nice. Thank you for that. Uh, Just Kirk talked Cousins. about it last night. <laughs> and, the, and the documentary uh, showed us, too, there was a an incorrect route run by Justin Jefferson that led to a pick. Yep. Um, and then an exchange between Jefferson and Cousins. He was targeted 12 times and only made six catches. And a lot of that was Darius Slay, who, by the mm -hmm. way, had a pick six against the Patriots yep. on uh, Sunday in that 25-20 win. Reg, it was not a convincing win for Philadelphia, despite their early 16-0 lead. Patriots mm -hmm. came back in that game. It was back and forth the whole second half, and the Eagles just added field goal after field goal. And then the Patriots had the ball twice in Eagles territory late with a chance to win, yep. and they couldn't move the chains. Uh, but what does your gut say now with the Eagles coming back for their home opener? They're going to be energized. Um, better conditions probably than they played in New England where it was raining on Sunday. What does your gut say about that game tomorrow? 
I say it gives the Vikings fans a little bit of hope that maybe the Vikings can go in there and score an upset. You know, I think how they came out and played against New England was eye-opening, you know. They got up early, and it was like, oh, shoot, they're about to blow these dudes out. Then mac and cheese, mac and cheese, two touchdowns before the half, kind of brought them back, and it, it was a little bit of a of a slugfest in the second half. And the, the, it seemed like the Patriots should have pulled that one out somehow, but the Eagles just, you know, didn't let that happen, and it, it, it ended how it did. I don't know, man. You know, you talk about, like, the Super Bowl hangover, if you will, like the team that loses the Super Bowl that next year, usually they have a, a down year. And so after game one, you don't you don't really know. But, you know, they, they pay Jalen Hurts all this money. You know, they, they changed up with, with the running game. They got DeAndre Swift now. You know, still the same weapons, you know, with, with AJ and Devontae out there. But I don't know. I, I feel like I feel like the Vikings come in with a bad taste in their mouths. Maybe they come out aggressive. And maybe they kind of take it to Philly a little bit. And and it's a lot more even than it was last year. You come out with three turnovers in the first game. And, you know, we saw the turnovers last year against Philly. I don't know that you can afford to do that again. Like, you come out three turnovers in the first game, and then you come out and turn the ball over again in the second. Like, you got some problems if that's the case. I don't believe the Vikings have – those type of problems as as much as you know that first game would indicate just some kind of uncanny things you know Kirk tries to force one into KJ Osborne that's not really Kirk's you know MO when he's out there and those two you know you, you can't really do much about the blindside sack from Antoine Winfield like that's just gonna happen like it if he held on to that ball God bless him you know he's got hands of steel and then that crazy exchange where Ed Ingram just slaps the ball out of Kirk Cousins' hands, like, what? <laughs> like, how's that? How does that Ed. happen? Ed. You know, you, you just you just don't think that something like that can happen two straight games. And I think they looked at the tape and they were just like, oh, how do we? Oh, we left some plays out there. We should have won that game. And I think they come into Philly. You know, Justin Jefferson yesterday already said, like, yeah, we, we saw how that happened last year. It's going to be some tension between us when we go out to Philly this time around. So, like, I think they have all that in mind. I just think that they are going to have a little bit better of a of a showing, a little bit better of a performance than we seen last week and than we seen last year against Philly. So I, I think it'll be a close one. I, I tend to agree with you. Um, Kirk Cousins in his Vikings career has often followed up and maybe clunker is too strong a word because he was fairly dynamic through the year in that game, but three turnovers. And I think you you pin two of them on Kirk, um, one of them on Ed. But he often follows up those kind of performances with a big performance. Um, he is People only remember last year, but Kirk has gone into Philly and won as a Viking. 2018. So he has a little track record there in a positive sense. I think Thursday nights are random. I think that it's it's a war of attrition. How healthy are you feeling? And how quickly can the coaches put the game plan together? 
Eagles probably have a little more natural talent on that roster, and that might end up winning out. The trenches are better. The defensive line is going to stress that interior. I'm worried about Ed Ingram. I want C.J. Ham protecting Kirk Cousins every single play. Got hit way too much against Tampa. Um, but I think that this game is still winnable. I really do. I think that you'd rat, you'd like to catch a team like Philadelphia kind of early before they really hit their stride. Um, maybe a little Super Bowl hangover. And maybe we even saw that with Philly on Sunday. Reggie, their only offensive touchdown came because of a short field where they drove 26 yards. They did not have a sustained touchdown drive in that game. Um, maybe they come out and correct it, or maybe they're more a little uh, a little lethargic as well. A couple more questions from Twitter, and then we'll get out of here on the Minnesota Football Party with myself and Reggie Wilson. But a word from a, a great new partner we have here at Lockdown Sports Minnesota. It's Jace Medical. Um, I've got two kids, and when you have kids, you think about your health. You think about making sure you're there for your kids, making sure that you're sticking around for a long time. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones when the unexpected happens. There's a lot of randomness in this world. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace Case. Jace Case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use to give you that peace of mind so you're just not hoping that you have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Case or Jace Medical makes sure you have the medication in hand for that peace of mind and that insurance. Jace Medical is simple. They handle everything from the online evaluation to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical, plus an additional $20 off by using promo code Locked On at checkout. JaceMedical.com. J-A-S-E medical.com use the promo code locked on and don't get caught unprepared all right reg two more twitter questions and then we will call it a day from norm how bad does it need to get record wise to throw in the towel and embrace the tank reg tanking vikings what would it take to get you to that point I just don't see it happening um, just because one thing that I have learned about the Wilfs, this is my third, this is going into my third year mm -hmm. uh, covering the Vikings, the start of the third year. And the one thing that I have realized about the Wilfs. They bought that the money, money sign. They the bought that paper, sign. baby. Yep. And tanking is not good for their pockets. I, I, some of my friends talk to me about this. They're like, oh, man, the Vikings just need to embrace the tank so they can get Caleb Williams or, you know, one of these top quarterbacks in the draft to start over. And it's like, yeah, in theory, that that makes sense. But the Wilfs have never been about the tank. Look at look at the teams that they've had since they've taken over as, as owners. Like, they always like go out and get a quarterback. They always yeah. have a team that's competitive because that puts tickets in seats. Like that puts butts in seats and that puts money in their pockets. And I think that's something that they're not ever trying to compromise. And so like, 
I can see it like, okay, if if it's if it does just get bad, you know, you're like, oh, well, you might as well just go ahead and tank. You know, they they can get Drake May or Shadur Sanders or Quinn Ewers or you know Michael Penix Jr. Like one of these guys. What a start, by the way, to the college football quarterback. Oh, absolutely. Class. I mean, absolutely. all all these guys are just yeah. like it's going to be a rich first round. It looks like. Yeah, nobody's even talking about Bo Nix. Like, he was kind of in that top five mix of quarterbacks. And now, you know, you've seen kind of what some of these guys have done at the the start of the season. You're just like, oh, yeah, you kind of move Bo Nix down a little bit. (laughs) But it's, it's intriguing. That being said, like, it seems like even if the Vikings just don't have that great of a season and they don't tank, they may be in play for one of these quarterbacks that are going to be, you know, first round picks in the draft next year, if nothing else, maybe it gets them in striking distance. We see that Quasey likes to make a deal. So maybe, maybe he, he makes a deal and, and goes and gets, you know, one of those quarterbacks in the draft next year, or you could do the Mike Florio thing, you know, trade Justin Jefferson for a first round pick and, and start the team over, you know, cause they got the new Jefferson and Addison. So Florio says, I, I, when I read that article, I was just like, is Florio serious? Like he says some things sometimes that you're just like, I need the what? Stephen A. Smith soundbite right now. The get off the weed. That's what exactly. I need. Exactly. Right exactly. Yeah. It, it's kind of crazy, but yeah, I just don't see the, the Vikings embracing tanking. And honestly, if they, are in a position where they even think about tanking with the expectations coming into this season, I think it's an abject failure. You know, Brian Flores didn't come over to this team just to watch them tank. You know, they didn't load up with Jordan Addison and, and, you know, re up TJ Hawkinson and all these weapons that they have on the offensive side, you know, maybe the last dance for Kirk cousins. They didn't do all that to be in position to have to tank. Like, I think they imagine themselves being competitive, trying to get back to the postseason and battle Detroit for this, for this North or green Bay, you know, one game, it looks good for them too. But yeah, I think it'd be a complete failure if somehow they're in a position where you're talking about them tanking. Yeah, who do you need to get? I mean, the fan base can root for it, but who is going to embrace that kind of mentality, right? Like what, even even Quazy pulling the strings, what could he do to make Justin Jefferson and Kirk Cousins tank shy of benching them, right? Like th- those guys are still going to win you football games. There's a very soft middle portion of this schedule. So even if you start one and four, you could battle your way back. It would require injuries. It would require multiple injuries for the Vikings to be. And and then then they wouldn't have to try, Reggie. Then it would just happen organically. If you lost Kirk Cousins and you lost Justin Jefferson and maybe a couple others, yeah, that would happen to any team. You would be toast, of course. But it's it's not going to get to a point, in my opinion, where there's a concerted effort to lose football games. You're not going to be in a position to like the Bears were last year to lose week 18 and get the number one overall pick. Sorry. Although the Rams were allegedly going to be like the worst team in the league. Aren't you a Rams guy? 
No, you're St. Louis Rams guy. Yes, um, get it right. Get it right. Um, that's right. Uh, long live the Rams. But they uh, they were supposed to be one of those tankers, and they dominated Seattle. So yeah, um, and Arizona almost won a game too. They were leading yeah. in that one for a long time. Um, so maybe the the tank competition is a little more open than I thought. I did have one more question oh, from Skoll, Vikings voice. What has Quazy done that he can really hang his hat on thus far? I struggle to see it. The Hawk trade might be most notable, but he backed himself into a corner contract-wise after spending a second on him. Uh, all right, good Quazy stuff. Uh, Duke Shelley was great. But now it's now it's over. Not retaining Duke Shelley, offset finding Duke Shelley. Uh, Kyrie's Tonga, great find, great find. Didn't play much in the first game, but that was a great find by Quazy. Um, I think that the jury is still out on just a lot of his draft picks. I think that we need a little more time. But that being said, yeah, there there are some warts, and Quazy will fully admit that though, Reggie. That's the thing is that Quazy owns this and acknowledges that it's all guesswork and that you're not going to bat a thousand. Like, like he is so aware of the randomness and it's actually refreshing to hear from a guy who you expect to, you expect a numbers guy like Quazy to think he has all the answers, but Quazy is the first to tell you he doesn't. Um, And that to me is refreshing. And it's why I give him a little leash because he's taking swings, knowing they're not all going to work. So we can be critical of Rager and Blacklock, and and I've been critical of those moves, but over time, you know, you have to you have to give him a sample size to see what his batting average actually is. Yeah, I was thinking about that. You know, you kind of think about some of the the picks. You know, obviously Jordan Addison looks like he's going to be a guy. You know, um, Lewisine, jury's still out. Um, I, I was talking to some of my teammates at CARE 11 about some of the draft picks that um, Kwesi has had. And you think about somebody like Ivan Pace. And I was like, what does this say about Kwesi, you know, going up and and using one of those quote-unquote premium picks on Brian Asamoa if Pace is just going to come in undrafted and just – take the job you know like you you do still wonder like is Asamoa fully healthy like what's going on there but Pace is getting a lot of reps with this first team and you're like okay you know there were times on Sunday where Asamoa was just on the sideline with his helmet on you're like okay is he coming in is he is everything okay and Pace is Pace is looking like a dude you know and you know you think about Andrew Booth didn't really say his name much on Sunday. You know, you think about Caleb Evans. He has some nice plays on Sunday. Um, it was Evans on Evans crime <laughs> a couple <laughs> yeah. times yeah. on Sunday, which was interesting. Um, I think he's going to have a, a solid year. But, you know, you look at some of these other draft picks, man. You know, they 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 traded away one from last year, uh, earlier this this you know, preseason and you're like, okay, like maybe it's just like, look, I'm just going to take a chance on some of these guys. We'll see if it works, see if it doesn't, you know, if it doesn't, we'll just sign this guy. We'll, you know, pick up this guy. And, you know, I, I think 
it it'd be great to see them hit on a lot of their draft picks. And even Kwesi said earlier in the offseason, he's like, look, man, I, I we still have a lot of high hopes and 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 a lot of of you know affinity for the guys we took last year. Like we we're looking for them to pan out. But it's like, eh, like I don't know. The, I, I, I just th- don't know. Yeah, the the thing is too that sometimes your next year's class is better than the previous year's class. So like Asezi, Asezi Otamewo, right? We thought he might have some potential, but then someone that they draft Jaquel and Roy is a little better and takes that roster spot. So then you lose Asezi. So that's a good draft pick that sort of, you know, nudges down your other draft pick in the pecking order. Uh, you may have missed on Andrew Booth Jr., but Makai Blackman... Uh, from the third round, seems like he's a guy. At least early, good early signs for Makai, mm-hmm. right? So you see that that the balancing act has already begun between 2022 and 2023. That you're getting guys from this year's class that are sort of filling or backfilling those spots left open because the 2022 class wasn't quite as good. And give him, like, I got to see three years, I think, before I can really pass judgments on all these players. It's possible that Quazy went 0 for 4 on last year's day one and day two of the draft, and that would be bad. That would be bad. Um, But Evans could be a huge win for them. Ty Chandler could be a huge win for them. Jalen Naylor hasn't really been unveiled yet, could be a huge win. Uh, So there's good stuff there on day three, where it seems like Quazy's been a little stronger finding the value than finding the stars. Um, So that would be nice to balance that out a little bit. And Jordan Addison, he might be a star. Yeah. Uh, That's the Minnesota football party today. He's Reggie Wilson. Tell us what's happening at CARE 11 today. Lynx starting the playoff series against the Connecticut Sun tonight. Be a a good win for them if they were able to uh, pull out on the road um, against the Sun tonight. That That would be huge for them as they try to, you know, put the Lynx back, you know. Um, and then, you know, we're talking Gophers, um, obviously they talk every Wednesday, players, coordinators, so we'll have a little something, something from them. We'll see if the Twins can win this series against the Rays, so quite a bit going on today. Wild have their, their prospects training today at TRIA. That's, that's exciting. Almost hockey season. Mm -hmm. Um, that means it's about to get cold, which, you know whatever but uh yeah quite a bit going on busy busy time of the year uh in the sports land at care twins this afternoon as well reggie i'm looking at FanDuel wnba championship odds the links are 200 to one there's a to win the, to win the championship so clearly so the aces <laughs> and the liberty must be juggernauts because they are clearly yeah. the favorites 200 to one though in an eight-team tournament, that's crazy yeah. to me. Yeah, it you know the the links they aren't there yet, but they're building something. They they grab Diamond Dorka. They believe that those two are are pieces that could be cornerstone pieces for them moving forward. So I think they're just going to keep trying to gel and play it out, and you know maybe next year can be a year that they actually you know challenge for something special. Twins, by the way, 22 to 1 to win the World Series since we're talking future bets. Uh, oh, okay. That, yeah, yeah, not bad. 10th best odds. 
He's at Reggie Wilson T, uh, TV on X. I'm at Sam Ekstrom. Thank you for your Twitter questions. And uh, those that didn't get theirs asked, I will try to include those in tomorrow's Minnesota football party. Again, you can find that on the Locked on Vikings audio feed uh, with Luke Braun and Arif Hassan. That'll be tomorrow. Big thanks to Reggie Wilson. I'm Sam Ekstrom saying so long today on the Minnesota football party. Be blessed. Spread love. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.